Well, welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. Um, Tim, we get an awful lot of good guests around here, yeah, but we today do. we have a real special one, someone that um, uh, has been around uh, Biola for a long time in Talbot, and so we'll introduce her in just a minute. But uh, Tim, it's fun to do these podcasts together. Oh, it's great. Enjoy it. Enjoy our conversations. So our guest today is Mandy Caddo. Mandy, um, so glad you're able to join us and be here with us today. Uh, we're going to uh, introduce the listeners to you and uh, to some of the things that you've been doing here at Talbot. But you've been around and associated with Talbot now for how many years? That's right. We came over 20 years ago and I studied for one year here at Talbot. Um, it was an awesome experience, but we didn't have the visa to stay. We went back home to Scotland and... Um, we brought our family up there. So it was a long dream to be able to come back to Talbot uh -huh. and join in again. So what did you study while you were here? You came for to be a student, started in a master's program, and uh, what did you finish with? Well, that's right. I started in um, actually in educational theory. At the time, I was working in education, um, elementary education in Scotland. So I did a couple of classes then. I had very small children, so I just took two classes and um, enjoyed it. Um, but when I came back, um, different stage of life, different season, and I, I took the Theology and Bible Diversified course. Ah. I think i actually one of the last students to, to take, to that. take mm -hmm. that particular uh -huh. course. I really loved it. So uh -huh. finished up in um, two and a half years, finished up the master's then. Nice. Awesome. And so you are currently doing some fun things. And so we'll, we'll ask a little bit more about your family because I want to hear mm -hmm. about them. And so let's just start with that, actually. Uh, married to Stephen and a number of children I, I know that are here and maybe some that even attended Biola. That's right. So yes, yeah, Stephen and I have been married for 30 years now. Mm. Um, we're both from Aberdeen, both very Scottish in our identity. <laughs> um, we didn't know we that. Did, yeah, no, <laughs> it's in Ohio. <laughs> I was, yeah. And we have three children. So our oldest son um, studied in King's College in London and then a little bit in UNC in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, place, Tar Heels. Tar Heels. <laughs> Anti-Duke. He, he is uh, very much anti-Duke. Oh, um, he is, he is now that. working in um, politics in Washington, D.C. He's working mm -hmm. for a Republican congressman and enjoying that. Oh. Um, our younger son is finishing up at Biola. He, uh. He's part of the reason that we ended up moving back here. Uh -huh. He is um, currently a super senior in his fifth year <laughs> yeah. and love loving his experience. Uh -huh. He's a physics major. Oh, wow. All and then right. just to mix it up a little. I was physics or theater. I kind of chose theater. Mime or calculus. I went mime. I could have I done both. I can see they would both suit you. <laughs> so then we, my youngest daughter, just to mix up the, the Biola picture, she is currently a freshman student at Azusa. Oh, uh, we're uh, out of time. Okay, so, yeah. So uh, thank you for joining. <laughs> I, actually, she's really enjoying it there. She is a theater acting major at Biola. Really? So, so my kids cool. are very different from each other different interests to have a, a physics major right right beside yeah. a theater major has, makes for a lot of fun in the I family. Bet. I bet. That's Did great. it cause any uh, raising children that have very different interests kind of challenges you as a parent, right? You have to be involved in different things and walk alongside them, learn different things, uh, but it's a unique personality that each of them bring, isn't it? Very true. Just when you think you have parenting sorted out, you know what you're going to do, then <laughs> yeah. God sends you along the next child who is entirely yeah. different with different interests, different challenges, different joys, yeah. and yeah, you have to be constantly adapting and, and trying to discover how am I going to be the best parent I can be yeah. for this particular child. How, how did they adjust to the move? I, I imagine they identify as English or mm -hmm. maybe um, 
rather than American, but they now have many traits, I would assume, and cultural influences on them. How have they adjusted? Yeah. Well, the two boys chose to come over here in their own right to study, mm-hmm. um, and they loved it from very, very soon after they arrived here. Mm-hmm. Made lots of good friends, enjoyed the different style of, of learning. Um, Scott, One of Scott's first class was your psychology class. Oh, yes. And I think you particularly picked on him quite often, oh. referring to Scott from Scotland. Um, and he was quite often late in class and you picked on that too. But despite that, he he loved his time here and, and really it was him coming for the year and then saying, I, w- I would like to stay on mm-hmm. here. That was the final yeah. piece in the jigsaw of our family's decision to move here. Uh, mm. yeah. Well, you know, I do remember Scott very well. Uh, we used to tease him quite a bit. And the students mm. all just really wanted him to talk. That he, that he would stand up and they would say, ask Scott, because they wanted to hear his <laughs> accent. It's an awesome English accent. And so, well, um, Mandy, as uh, you and Stephen have uh, now uh, transitioned to your children, are in college, um, they're beginning the whole dating process. One of the things to talk about and what we like to talk about is relationships and how they differ and change over time mm-hmm. uh, and even in different cultures. What's that like? So you and Stephen, uh, I would imagine, met back in Scotland and tell us a little bit about that. I first met Stephen when I was 15 mm-hmm. and we knew his family. They were another Christian family, lived near us in Aberdeen. When I was 18, I helped out at a Christian camp. Stephen was one of the leaders then. And um, I fell for him very, mm. very big time over mm. the course of that week of camp. Uh. So we had our first date shortly after that camp. Um, and I proposed to him during that first date. So there we go. I was, I was an 18-year-old. I was very confident that this was my life decision. And um, Wait a minute, Are you serious? I, I really am serious, yeah. You, so tell you us how. Oh, I tell us the story. Well, we went out for dinner and... Uh, we had been talking about, you know, plans and just, and I said, yeah, I, I have a life plan for you that I think will really work. So <laughs> how about we get married and we live on a, on a farm and we live happily ever after. So he was from a traditional Christian brethren home mm. where, where women in church don't, don't pray or even talk wow. much in church. So he wasn't really used to someone quite like me. And uh, I do remember he dropped his, his, uh, his fork back into his plate at, at that particular moment. And so we didn't really talk about it again. I went home and said to my mom, oh, mom, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm going to marry Stephen Cato. And she said, oh, okay. And then I said, and so I told him and I proposed to him tonight. And she went, oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> anyway, we, our relationship survived that initial onslaught by me. And um, a year later, he, he took the chance to propose back. And, um, so we, we yeah. kind of did the traditional you thing as well. He went down on one knee. And so I was 19 when we got engaged 19, wow. and I was 20 when we got married. And now my kids are pretty much all of that age and older. And What would um, you do if your son came and said, she actually proposed to me on one of the, or your daughter? How would you respond? What would you feel? I think I felt so grown up, you yeah. know, 18 and 19 yeah. and 20. I really thought I had it all sorted. Um, and now my kids are at that age and... Yeah. If they said to me, I know who I want to get married age 18, I'd probably say, okay, let's just pray about this and see how it goes and not rush into anything. Well, your mom did uh, handled that really well, uh, obviously. She did. She was pretty, she liked Stephen. So she was kind of hopeful that I wasn't going to blow it. And then it was going to be a long time. What do you notice differences now seeing the American dating scene, how Americans do dating and even college students, American college students, any observations you have of, of 
your take on how Americans do dating and relationships? That's interesting. I think they take it more seriously here. Oh. So in looking back at my time and and as a Scottish young person or or even the youth work that I did more recently in Scotland that they're slightly more casual when they're younger. It's okay to just date a few times and go out different places. And and if that doesn't last very long, that's not a big deal. Mm. And then maybe there'll be someone else in your youth group that you're ready to date. And whereas I feel here there's a little bit more intentionality. And, and if, and if people are ready for that commitment, then, then they think about it and maybe there's less, Mm-hmm. less casual dating Spontane, and more yeah. but once it does start that often it can escalate quite quickly and people have expectations oh you're dating therefore are you ready for the next stage but, but is that a good thing or a bad thing in your yeah, estimation I, I think I have the same question because yeah. there could be some negatives right I mean it feels as if if yeah. you put a lot of pressure on that very uh, first couple of dates, it seems like it could be really um, almost more difficult, more stressful, uh, maybe not end as well as a more spontaneous. But. And I'm not sure if your kids talked about this, but I have three kids. Uh, two have graduated from Biola. One right now is uh, heading into his junior year. They say dating doesn't happen at Biola because of all the pressure that's on the first date. There, there's so much. So I kind of like the Scottish idea of a little <laughs> bit of being more casual and carefree, not being irresponsible. So what, what's your thought looking at both? I think there's there's dangers and challenges and advantages mm. to both, actually. Mm. That, that The danger in Scotland is that, you know, you, you end up just dating all the time. And mm. it, there, mm. it's, it can be very frivolous. And, mm. okay. and actually, it can fragment a youth group after a while if everybody's dated and broken mm. up. So there's a, there's a danger in that. Mm-hmm. But also, I, see, I do see the challenge of, of an overtly serious mm-hmm. um, situation here where... Mm where the expectation is if you've got to that decision where you're actually going to date that, mm-hmm. oh, you probably are really serious and at some oh, point yeah. in six months yeah. you're going to get engaged. Yep. So so actually it's it's like a lot of what we're learning culturally. The difference is it's not necessarily better or worse. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Mm-hmm. There's, there's different challenges. There's different opportunities. So, so you're um, going to eventually, um, and you've already started, um, at Biola as a professor teaching in an adjunct role and um, – How's that been going, by the way? Are you excited about that? That's a fun thing. And I know you've taught in the past, but this kind of formalizes it a little bit more. Does that, do you bring with you some information or some ideas uh, that you look forward to with Biola students thinking this is going to be a challenge to reach them in a way, but what are you looking forward to as you undertake that kind of journey? Yeah, I hope I will be able to bring some some of the things I learned as yeah. um, as an adjunct back in England, yeah. bring that to a different cultural context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also I'll, I'll be trying to learn very quickly what is appropriate here, what is helpful mm, here. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be this weird Scottish teacher <laughs> that gets everything wrong and no one really understands her. So I'm, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it, really yeah. looking forward. I'll be teaching um, biblical interpretation and spiritual formation mm-hmm. to undergrad students. Oh, that'll be nice. awesome. Yeah. Initially online. So starting yeah. January, it'll be an online class. And then the following semester, I'll be in person. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear about it. Send us your feedback on the things you've enjoyed or tell us if there's a particular topic you'd like us to cover. Just email us at cmr.biola.edu. And don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes.
So you and Stephen have done uh, a lot of teaching and your background in marriage and and in work. So tell us a little bit about how that started. Um, and eventually we want to ask even about what you do today more full-time rather than adjuncting. Yeah, I know you work at a, a small church called Saddleback, which is nearby. <laughs> and uh, so tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, Stephen and I, when we first started um, dating, actually, we, we were both involved in children's work and in youth work in our church. So we've very much tried to find ministries often that we could do together. Mm. And we really enjoyed that. So we've probably done youth work um, 20 years or so, mm. you know, in different church situations and always enjoyed that. So so talking about dating and relationships and marriage just kind of inevitably became part of that because sometimes we were the only couple in any particular youth group situation. So I think we have good memories of conversations and discussions and um and teaching on that, I think my children possibly would have somewhat painful or embarrassed memories of oh. of being in a youth group mm. where their parents were doing the sex talk and oh. they were there. And I think Stephen once yeah. said some line about swinging from the chandeliers and it, somehow that became a catchphrase that haunted my boys in particular for, for many months to come as people teased them about the fact their parents were somehow swinging from the chandeliers. Uh, well, we were, uh, Noreen and I were speaking at a church here and it was on sexuality and the, the head pastor wanted a couple to do it. So Noreen and I agreed we, we would do this one talk on sexuality. So the kids weren't there, but it was being recorded and uh, live streamed. So I, I don't know if Stephen's ever done this, but every once in a while you just share an illustration you didn't clear ahead of time. And this one just, it just was spontaneous and I did it and Noreen was just kind of like, what? And so, uh, but the kids weren't there. So we get home and our youngest says, hey, uh, listen to your talk tonight. I was like, all of it? He goes, all of it. Noreen literally points to his room saying, go, go have a talk with him right now, go. But yeah, that is wild. Uh, two things I want to point out. One, I, it's great for the kids to see their parents in ministry. I hope so. I, I think that's awesome. Um, second, uh, what a great lesson for listeners. Do ministry, and then the people you meet while you're doing ministry probably is a good indication of the, of the type of person that you want to marry, mm -hmm. is people just don't start necessarily to do ministry when they get married. But man, marry a person who wants to do ministry, is in ministry, mm -hmm. excited by... Noreen and I would do these sorority talks, mm -hmm. uh, male-female differences, and a sorority be packed, and I'd represent all of manhood. <laughs> and but, but that was... And we weren't even dating at the time. I think that's so cool to start a relationship in ministry is a great principle of to find the right kind of person you want to do life with and ministry with. That's really cool. Yeah. Stephen, when I met him, was the other person I knew who had as much, if not more, energy and um, enthusiasm for ministry, enthusiasm oh, for the church. Great. And I guess mm -hmm. that was one of the things that really attracted me to him. Yeah. yeah. So then as you started off in your journey with Steve and, and your uh, work, um, what eventually led you to what you're doing today, Saddleback and all of that? You, I, and love to hear about that story as well. And then I know a little bit of your work early on in marriage stuff at some of your earlier churches as well. So. I think the the journey towards working at Saddleback um, probably became through my love of evangelism, of mm. of being there and reaching out through friendship so mm. that people can come to know Jesus. Mm. And um, probably for 10 years now, I've been a director of an evangelism nonprofit back in the UK. Ah. And so my, my heart has always been yeah. not necessarily for the people who are already in church, who are already connected and following Jesus, but for those on the edges, or yeah. more particularly for those who don't even come yeah. to church. And 
how can we as Christians serve them, connect with them, be there, yeah. make those relationships and give them opportunities so that they will come to church. So um, during my studies at Talbot, um, I was always more interested in the, in the classes or the parts of classes that talked about evangelism, mm-hmm. that talked about reaching out, that talked about mm-hmm. building relationships mm-hmm. and having authentic conversations, yeah. being ready with the right answers, but yeah. earning the right mm. before you have the right answers to have the conversations yeah. through yeah. relationships. So when I graduated from this time last year from Talbot, we'd been attending Rancho Capistrano campus, mm. which is where we live. It's part of Saddleback campus. It's it's only 1,800 people. <laughs> so it's one of the, it's not as big as Saddleback, but it's bigger than any church I ever yeah, attended I in the UK. So I very bet. different experience for us. Yeah. And I've been working alongside the pastoral team there in the welcome and connection and community oh, outreach. So three areas yeah. that I absolutely am passionate about. Yeah, and it's, I, I just love being at the welcome kiosk and people coming up Every service yeah. usually have a, between 10 and 15 brand new people every mm-hmm. weekend mm-hmm. who who are approaching Saddleback. Some of them already Christians, many of them not exploring faith. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that opportunity to welcome them and f- then follow up with them, creating a relationship. Well, I can imagine your experience uh, in England, Scotland and other places in that area. Tim, you and I have both been there at, yeah. with our families, very, you know, maybe a limited amount. But there's a, a almost a stereotype or an idea about there about the lack of church people or the lack of the gospel in that country and the decline over the last number of decades in practicing Christians. And so my guess is in Scotland, there's a huge ministry and need for evangelists or people who can share the gospel at a level. So how have you seen that and how has that challenged you a little bit? And is that right? Is Scotland a very tough place, for example, to talk about God's word or God, who, who, who he is or... It is a tough place. It's a wonderful country, but the percentage of people who actually attend a church regularly on a on a weekend, I think it's currently between five and seven percent. Wow! So we are really in a almost a post Christian situation. Mm -hmm. Many people would still align themselves with as part of their identity that they are nominally Christian, but that does not include attending a church in in any in any way. And perhaps Christmas and Easter. That's Uh that's about it. So yes. The majority of people you meet, that you live alongside, that you work with, that your children go to school with, are not believers, mm. and they have, they're you know maybe two generations away wow. from from having had a been in a Christian upbringing. So so yes, there are there are challenges, um, obviously, and there's a sadness that so yeah. many people are not and don't know who Jesus is, but it does mean that the the Christians tend to have, we have a siege mentality and we work together. We argue mm-hmm. less, oh, I believe, denominationally, wow. because there are so few of us. We have to stick together. Stick to, yeah. We have to be focused on outreach. We yeah. cannot sit in our um, dying churches and and expect that, that mm-hmm. things will, will be good. So so there are, that, that brings a, a good um, passion and an energy yeah, to, no to the evangelical believers to, to, to get out there and do all that they can yeah. to reach people for Jesus. And, and what a great principle. I did all my grad work at secular universities, UNC Chapel Hill. And so when you're there as a Christian, which is very a minority, if somebody else came in and said, hey, I'm a Christian, I, I, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care what denomination you are. I, I would say, that's hey, true. that's awesome. This end of the swimming pool is like completely empty. Come jump into my end and let's work together as we try to impact what we see at a, at a place like Biola or is that 
because we're a bit insulated, we start to have a lot of these internal debates that can actually separate each other. I think there's great benefit to being in a place where people just aren't Christians and you have to pull together with other Christians. I love that. That's a great mentality to have. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, preach it, preach it. <laughs> now that's important. How has it uh, helped you then now? Uh, I mean, Scotland has an amazing history of mm-hmm. theologians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, you can point back to some that have made huge impacts in Protestant you know, uh, views and, and theology. And I'm sure some of them are heroes. And how has that helped you, though, now in, in this context, working at Saddleback with Americans? Is it the same? Do they, are, do they feel uh, like a different group uh, when you think about evangelism with them? How does that work for you? Yes, it's interesting trying to tie in the um, original traditions that I've grown up with, with the situation that we're in now. But mm. um, yeah, Saddleback has a, has a good mentality of really looking outwards. I think mm-hmm. Rick Warren... Mm-hmm. Um, was one of the pioneers of this ministry mm-hmm. of kind of, you know, seeker sensitive. Maybe that's not a term we use very often anymore, but mm-hmm. but looking outwards to people who don't who don't yet know Jesus. And mm-hmm. I mean I think that's still very, very true today mm-hmm. in our particular campus in particular. We really prioritize and there's a lot of money investment in mm-hmm. in gifts and follow up and the events that we do, which I'm mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah. Can we go back to Scotland just for a second? <laughs> and again, if if this is something that's just outside of your purview, but what happened to Scotland? What what happened with this great rich tradition? Mm-hmm. What was happening culturally that that Scotland then just kind of moved away from faith? It's a good question and, and one that's hotly debated and and still is. And there's there's probably a, quite a few different aspects of what the answer would be. Some of it, I think, is just this the disposition of the average Scotsman, mm-hmm. Scotswoman, that we don't talk about religion. You don't talk mm-hmm. about your emotions. Generally speaking, people are, um, I wouldn't say cold, they're just not very open. So conversations, reserved, yeah, conversations about faith are difficult, difficult to come to. I I think it was one of the most striking things when we first moved from Aberdeen over here to California that people would say, oh, why are you here? Because they would hear our accent immediately. Why are you here? And I'd say, oh, well, we're studying at Biola. And they'd say, oh, yeah, that's a Christian school. You know, I'm interested in Christianity. Uh-huh. And I and that conversation happened at least once a week when uh-huh. we moved here. That conversation had almost never happened in Scotland. So if you said to people, oh, I go to a church or I, I'm, I'm studying divinity at Aberdeen University, then there would be a silence mm. because one, they wouldn't know what to say. And two, they might not want to ask about that because mm. that would be that would be embarrassing or it would be too open. So so there's a whole aspect of, of just personality type that, that makes it harder for an openness to the gospel. And and maybe there's um a sense of the country's moved on a bit. People feel like we've moved yeah, on from Christianity. Yeah. That's what my grandparents believed. Yeah. And look, it didn't do them much good. Mm. So if the, and, and then if their parents were nominal attenders, but the faith wasn't real mm-hmm. for them, if it didn't really impact their life, mm-hmm. then their children are not even going to be nominal. They're not even mm-hmm. going to be interested mm-hmm. in being mm-hmm. at church. So there's a sense of people feeling like they've moved on yeah. and the country's moved on, very sadly. When we were overseas, we lived in Lithuania for a year, me and my wife. Um, and when people heard that Noreen and I were Christians and that we were serious about our spirituality, they were blown away. Mm. They were like, well, brilliant. you're educated, you're young. Why, why would you care about religion? Because in Lithuania, it was really the older generation mm-hmm. 
uh, that was interesting. That's what your grandmother did. So it, it blew people away that it's like, wh why in the world would you guys care about it? You're young, you're American. And so, yeah, I interesting take we have on religion across the world. And Europe has been such a sadly um, secular revolution has happened there that people don't talk about religion much anymore in the very birthplace of some of our greatest theologians and heroes. And that's really a sad reality. Hey, can I ask you a quick personal question? So this reservedness of Scots, did you carry that into your marriage? Was there any of that bleed in that with even your husband that do we don't talk about these things or did you guys kind of get past that or... I think it, I think we're very different when it comes to that, that I've always been very open. Mm. You know, I used to be made fun of, oh, your heart's on your sleeve. You oh. always talk too much about your emotions. Uh. But, uh, that was part of my family dynamic. I was the one who was always yeah, sharing, oversharing. Um, and Stephen <laughs> was kind of more naturally Scottish and reserved. <laughs> so we were a good contrast to each other, a good yeah. balance for each other. Um, you know, I really appreciated his steadiness and yeah. I was the one. But it, but it does bring challenges to our marriage now because... I'm I'm the one who'll say, oh, last night, you know, we had this argument or or I would just share details, which usually try, try and be funny and make a joke. <laughs> and then I, would share, I, I don't know, Tim, if you've ever been like this, but that's what I would be like. That I would be oversharing. And then afterwards, Stephen would be the one saying, OK, I wasn't expecting you to share that in public. So so that's been a challenge. And um, but usually, uh, usually just a joyful one that he's very patient with me and happy that I'm a little bit more open. Well, Tim, I wonder if you have a little bit of Scott in your background with your reservedness. I, I, you struck me a lot as, oh, I, as she's talking gosh. about being Scott. Well, so here's what's funny is Noreen was a business major. I was a theater major. She was pre-law. I was pre-unemployment, right? So I'm the one in our marriage, mm -hmm. talk about gender reversal, that mm -hmm. I'm the one who would be more open yeah. and say, hey, we need to talk about this or that. And Noreen is up for it, but that's not her natural inclination. Mm -hmm. It's to, So I, yeah, I, I like the gender difference in our marriage that it's not always just a woman who's open. No, absolutely but, yeah, no. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mandy, it's been uh, great talking with you. Uh, we're going to uh, take a break, uh, given the time, and we're going to continue uh, on the next podcast. And just uh, love hearing a little bit more about your story, your journey, ministry, and then ooh, so grateful to have you here at Biola and joining us here on the Art of Relationships podcast. It's going to be awesome and fun. So thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're very glad you joined us for today's podcast. For more resources on marriage and healthy relationships, please visit our website at cmr.biola.edu. We'll see you next time on The Art of Relationships.